Hi, welcome to At the Corner of Goff and Ellis, a podcast on the intersectionality of race and gender and its impact on young women of color. This show is hosted by me, Olivia Flores. Today, I am joined by Gina Mulvey, a Sacred Heart Cathedral graduate from the class of 1994. Welcome to the podcast and let's jump right into it. Um, how did you come to attend SHC and can you tell me about your overall experience as a student here? Yeah, so um, I actually was a presentation girl, which we call Prez Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to presentation my freshman year and the school closed down. So um, I ended up at Sacred Heart and that was because I was um, a few all girls schools had closed down within a few years. It was mm-hmm. like St. Paul, St. John's. St. Rose, and it just was, my parents were not going to buy another uniform. They were like, you're going to go to a co-ed school. (laughs) (laughs) So it really was kind of process of elimination and just also it was commutable. It was not probably my first choice, to be honest, but it just seemed like the right transition. Plus a lot of women from uh, Prez were going. Right. So it was kind of a feeder school, if you will. Okay. Yeah. And it was a real positive experience. I mean, I think that transferring alone versus transferring with a group of women you already knew Mm -hmm. um, and had relationships with Prez was very small. You probably know that firsthand. So, um, you know, um, you knew people not just in your class, you knew them from, you know, freshman to senior. That's good. So were there a lot of you, how many would you say from your class my class a good handful maybe a dozen like at least 12 of us yeah and sacred heart made it really easy during the transition period because they well they required us to go to summer school whether or not you had you had to you didn't it was more of like come early get to know a few people get the Mm -hmm. lay of the land so it didn't feel like first day like you didn't recognize how to get where you needed to go that's good. We missed that whole, um, back in my day, they had all the freshmen on the freshman campus. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the Prez girls missed that because we never, we were, we, we transferred later. Um, I don't think there was a freshman class from Prez, right? We were all sophomores and up. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was positive because I already knew some familiar faces. I also had friends that I was close to and knew in all the grades. Oh, so it made... Cool. It made the transition easy. Awesome. Um, what clubs or extracurriculars did you get involved in when you transitioned to SHC? Oh, my God. Um, I'm <laughs> kind of a go-getter, do-it-all. Uh-huh. I was a cheerleader. I was mm-hmm. the last year of cheerleaders. Um, I was. I played soccer my entire tenure there. Um, I, I was in the skate club. I was in the block club. <laughs> I was in the <laughs> club. I did tennis for a semester. (laughs) Wow. Um, I was quite a joiner. Yeah, I I think I'm definitely the same way. I'm involved in a lot of different clubs, not so much athletics, but I'm in the choir department. Um, I, yeah, I'm president of our book club, um, Shakespeare club. I'm in that. Um, I joined our newly formed Latinx and women empowerment clubs at school. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Um, after you graduated, how did you stay connected to SHC? To be honest, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, four years of, of high school was enough and mm-hmm. it was exciting to move on and move away to college and, you know, just kind of move on with another phase of your life. And 
like I think like a lot of people you don't really look back um mm-hmm. but my relationship with it is very different now um my class was really fun you know I don't I'd say that I kept in touch off and on with a core group of people the girls I played soccer with to be honest mm-hmm. um you know, because I think those clubs are the where you kind of really deepen relationships. So we all kept in touch here and there. And then probably more more recently was a high school reunion that I just moved back to San Francisco. And um, so now I'm, I'm actually a regent there. Oh, I okay. Board. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really cool. But yeah, yeah, I think the losing touch part at the beginning seems understandable. Like, I hope to stay connected to SHC after I graduate, but I think also, like, with the excitement of college and everything, um, and even what happens immediately after college, um, it'll be a little bit harder to stay in touch, but definitely hope to come back. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's the beauty of that school is that it Mm -hmm. always feels like no time has passed, really, Mm -hmm. because even, you know, moving back, I didn't, most of my friends were married, children, you know, I hadn't kept relationships. I'd moved, I'd lived in Paris, I'd lived in Bergen, wow. Opsum, New York, and you know, it was it got it just got harder to keep in touch with more of the people, but mm-hmm. it, it just felt very seamless to come home. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So then focusing like on your years here at SHC, um, how did you feel that your gender impacted the experience? So, you know, gender is such a big topic. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love that you're tackling this in a podcast. um, But I mean, you know, being someone who, for me, particularly being a woman, a Latin woman, you know, Mm -hmm. we often culturally come from matriarchies and strong women and women who oversee adversity. And, you know, um, so I think that this is kind of just part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from a, also my grade school was majority women. I went oh. to an all girls school my freshman year. <laughs> right. So I kind of always knew my place in the world. And mm-hmm. by, by I say that it was, it was never boxed, you know, it never felt like whether I was going to an all girls school or a co-ed school, it wasn't, it was a seamless transition. I didn't feel that, you know, I mean, listen, the years we went SHC was, transforming still from being sacred heart and all boys school mm, okay it certainly was like i see the facilities now and i'm like wow you guys are so lucky <laughs> uh our gym did not look like your gym you know we, we played soccer with the boys mm-hmm. our uniforms were hand-me-downs i think we might have been the second year of all girls soccer okay. so you know that was just new but it, i never found if enough girls wanted to do it the school backed it up and found a way Right. And like I said, it may have been Miss Momono scrapping together a few uniforms from the old guy's locker room. (laughs) You know, the following year we had shiny new uniforms because we Mm -hmm. also proved our worth. Right. And so and that we wanted to commit to it. And I think that that's a real reflection of the school and the environment and and the type of opportunities that exist. So from being a female, I didn't really ever think about it. I just think that, you know, listen, boys were new. I wasn't around like at, at <laughs> presentation. You could look like a hot mess all day and it did not matter. <laughs> you know, and when you go to school and there's a boy maybe poking at you or asking you something and just things that girls don't do, it, it's different. Um, 
little distracting here and there because you clearly the maturity level is far beneath ours. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but I think that it was just a good balance. You know, I had equal friends that were guys and girls. And so I don't think it was much of an, uh, an issue or I wasn't really conscious of it. I mm -hmm. mean, that time is such a formative time that that's not what I'm focused on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I was certainly aware of when things might not have been fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and sometimes that became a gender issue. But um, like I said, I'm not really quiet. So there was always a way to kind of figure it out and solve for it to make sure that we were treated equal and that we had the same opportunities and that we got to do, you know, anything the boys did. So course. Yeah, that's great. Did you feel that your, your race or ethnicity impacted the experience more? I think that, you know, again, it wasn't something that was conscious, but I think that, you know, um, I'm Latina, but I also come from a mixed Latina background. And mm -hmm. I also think that your home life really informs really more. I mean, yes, we spend a lot of time at school and there's a certain responsibility as a community because these are where you're, you know, getting ideas and ide it's a place of ideation. But for me, I had always traveled. I mean, I've been traveling since I was five. My parents traveled. My, you know, I have a very mixed family in terms of like, there's white, there's Latino, there's Asian, there's Israeli, there's, so I just didn't, I, my parents taught me to be a global citizen. And, and when you look at it in context to the school, high school is a reflection of the place you live, right? So right. my right. husband, for example, grew up in a very rural town. Mm -hmm. And when his school is not diverse, it's because people don't move there. You know, mm -hmm. one subset of, of people move there. Um, San Francisco was very reflective of San Francisco. A lot of Asian, you know, very small Latinos, you know, very small group. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the numbers today, but we were, you know, not a whole lot of us, um, but certainly representation, right? Certainly had people that were. Um, yeah. And then even within that, you know, even within the Latino community, California is largely Mexican. I'm not Mexican, right? And so finding, I couldn't use that as the identifier or the thing that I latched onto because mm -hmm. I was never going to be in the majority. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was, I don't have, I identify with Hispanic culture as a general, because I think we have a lot of commonalities, whether you're Cuban or Mexican or Central American, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm not Mexican. Like gender, it wasn't a factor for me. I think mm -hmm. that I like to identify with people because I spoke fluent Spanish mm -hmm. very well. You know, AP Spanish as a sophomore, <laughs> level four. At the time, Mr. Sanchez, you know, the teacher there, he always had me read because I read the best. You know, mm -hmm. I spoke it at home to my dad and I spoke English to my mom. So most of my um, languages were pretty, pretty equal, even okay. at a young age. That's really cool. Yeah, I wish I was bilingual in Spanish because <gasps> I'm Mexican. I'm half Mexican, a quarter Nicaraguan. So... All of all of the elders in my family speak it, um, but not me. I work in Latin media, and mm -hmm. um, it's so interesting to see the the research we get and how you know culture is such an important part of being Latino. Mm -hmm. You don't have to speak Spanish to feel Latino. That's you true. know what I yeah. mean. And I think that you know as generations go on, and right, we were children of immigrants, but 
then there's a second generation, a third and a fourth. Mm-hmm. Language gets lost. It gets lost with Germans. It gets lost, lost with French people. It gets lost because that's just how it works often mm-hmm. when you're assimilating to another country. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make you less Latina mm-hmm. or, you know, so um, I love that you love being that. And, um, I, you know, I think that I didn't think about it, but I certainly learned as time went on through college to embrace certain parts mm-hmm. um, to really like not just know conversational Spanish, but right. to really study it and, and perfect it so I could work in that capacity. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel. I think I want to um, take classes in college because I do want to like work in diversifying um, like media. Like I, I think um, your job sounds really, really cool. Um, so that's definitely something that I want to do. And I feel like knowing Spanish should be a pretty big skill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it surprisingly helped me. Like, again, I didn't always like to speak Spanish, mm-hmm. particularly because my friends didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I went home, there were certainly those like, moments where I was like, can we just all speak English? But, um, <laughs> you know, but as you, that you need certain things at different times in your life. Right. And at that time I didn't need it. And then as I evolved, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, actually learning Spanish is going to pay me more, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, or yeah, I'll find passion projects and doing stuff. So mm-hmm. it was really kind of uh, an organic evolution for myself. Cool. So do you think there were maybe other aspects of your identity that played a greater role in shaping your high school experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think just my attitude and just Mm -hmm. kind of easygoing nature, um, you know, warmth was something I found a lot of attributes that I had in the school itself and people, I mean, were there rough moments? Of course, there's always like little bumps here and there. Um, but you know, the transition was fine, but certainly there were moments where, you know, I maybe felt a little bit an outsider, even though there was a group of us, but yeah, I think I don't, I don't know if I have a whole lot there. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Can you recall any teachers who addressed race, ethnicity, or gender, um, either in class or maybe extracurricular activities, athletics, even yeah, um, I don't think addressing it is something that, again, it was a long time ago. It's mm-hmm. been like, I don't even want to say it out loud because it hurts. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that I had more people in my environment, whether it was school or home, that led by action rather than discussion. Listen, dialogue is so important. Communication is actually what I majored in mass comm and media. Mm-hmm. And it's for that reason, right, is that you know, there's expectation. My dad was like, he was like, you're either a lawyer or a doctor. I don't understand anything else. What is this communication stuff? (laughs) But it's such an important, when I, when you research jobs that are going to exist 20 years from now, operations, Mm -hmm. how to communicate, those are things that are critical to our kind of society, you know, and you know, the way we communicated back then was running home and waiting for somebody to call and now their cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. And so information travels at the speed of light, whereas before you had to wait to get to school to find out what happened on the weekend. Um, again, I sound like the mom that had <laughs> walked in the snow. <laughs> but um, the, as for teachers, yeah, I mean, I think that 
there was a lot of good representation at Sacred Heart. And I think that's why my parents, I remember asked my mom once, why did you send me to Sacred Heart? And she said, because they care about you. Mm-hmm. And parents, you want to have an environment as close as the one that you give at home or mm-hmm. better. Um, and that's hard to find, right? Because you know, schools are institutions, they have a curriculum and itinerary, they have to educate you and move you on, right. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom says that when she met, it was an open check case, because she saw the charism, right, the Mm -hmm. fact that they actually care what you do, what you involve in. So I saw that with, you know, Mr. Sanchez, again, the travel aspect, I traveled with Sacred Heart, I was Mm -hmm. part of an, you know, advanced placement history class. And, um, went to Washington, you know, went to Washington, D.C. with the school, and I went to Spain with the school. Wow. And so um, I, I'm not kidding. I was the joiner. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so cool that you got those opportunities. So, Mr. Sanchez is one of the ones that I, I really remember the most because he was Spanish. You know, he spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. He really liked talking with the kids. He really liked connecting with us. Um, Mr. Sanso from history, just a passion beyond the mm-hmm. books. He always made class fun. Um, you know, there's a whole list of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my high school experience definitely has been abnormal in comparison to almost any other person who's gone through high school. On the planet. Um, <laughs> right. So like, you know, with BLM, the pandemic, um, the, the Asian hate that kind of stemmed from that. Um, so I was wondering, um, were there any significant like social upheaval, upheavals or movements or even just news stories happening at the time that you were in high school? Yeah, I mean, you know, you always see this like, I again, I'm quoting people that I think have made a big impact. I have an uncle who is really, really smart. He always reads trade of all kinds and it's kind of a walking encyclopedia. And I remember like when Trump got elected, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, the fallout and more because again, I wanted to see a woman in power. Of course. Right. Um, And he's like, you know, this has happened before in history. We all feel so terminal and we all feel like this is such a end of a world moment, but there've been crappy presidents before Mm -hmm. our time, you know, and and I'm not saying that to diminish it, but in my time, absolutely. I mean, we lived through the LA riots and Rodney King. We lived through, um, major musical icons like uh, Kurt Cobain's suicide, mm-hmm. um, the election of Clinton and his his tenure, and right. you yeah. know so many other the World Trade bombing, which was you know almost eight years preceding. Uh, probably not accurate on that date, but but definitely less than a decade preceding the actual terrorist attacks that mm-hmm. I was in college for there. Mm-hmm. So you know I think that. OJ was also one of the big mm-hmm. things. So we lived through a lot of of big racial and gender and inequality um, yeah. topics. And to be young and to try to like figure that out and what does it mean to you um, is is challenging. I think it's challenging for you guys now. Mm-hmm. Um, while you have fast communication, you're all stuck at home. We didn't have fast communication, but we got to be together, um, do that. You know, I right. remember when the riot happened, we sat in class to discuss it. Um, you know, bigger topics definitely went mentioned, but I think it was more of the, like I said, action around the people took, mm-hmm. you know, try to just 
you know, figure, make sense of it, educate each other on yeah. why that is right and what we can do different. So it was always a, a, a good opportunity to kind of learn from peers and, and elderly as well, you mm-hmm. know, and their perspective, because the same question you ask me about my time, I was probably asking some of my teachers, right? Mm-hmm. I asked them all the time. She grew up in San Francisco during the hippie. I was like, what was that like? Did you burn your bra? <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm ever get a straight answer, but yeah. you know, I, I'm curious because we all go through strife at every at every stage, and so mm-hmm. it's how, how we come out of it, right? That right. I think is lesson. Yeah. Um, so I'd I be totally curious agree. to you guys, like interview you in like ten years yeah. and be like, what was it like living through COVID yes. <laughs> at school? Any, any future people out there, invite me on your future podcasts. <laughs> right. Um, looking back, do you think your high school experience played a role in what you're doing for a living now? Yes, I think that I've always been a people person. I think mm-hmm. that, um, again, not one to kind of run first. Um, and, you know, the I didn't do drama. I didn't like spotlights. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely a joiner and a collaborator. And mm-hmm. I think that being that I really enjoyed high school, I really liked all my friends. Um, I don't think, you know, I said, my soccer team is a perfect reflection. I mean, mm-hmm. we had it's all women. And these are girls that, you know, continue to have friendships with. Um, so I am in media. Um, I, I actually knew pretty early, I graduated and knew that San Francisco, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be a writer. I love mm-hmm. books as well. Um, avid reader and um journaled a lot wrote a lot Mm -hmm. and uh, I loved my English courses actually minored in English in college and I thought I was going to be a journalist I really did I just thought I was going to write for maybe Latina magazine honestly that was probably I I found a journal pandemic of my journals from high school and (laughs) I don't even recognize this girl but you know I was convinced I was going to be a journalist and Mm -hmm. so when I got when I decided I have to be in LA and, or New York to do that. Mm-hmm. It was a really big transition. And so, yeah, but that's also media. So yeah. <laughs> it can get very, very competitive and aggressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think that again, I liked communication and mm-hmm. the, whatever forum took place. We didn't have podcasts back when I was growing up. I can't believe I'm even saying that back when I was growing up. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, yeah, you know, I think that all these things, you know, soon as there was a cell phone, I wanted it as soon as there's a, a streaming platform mm-hmm. early in my career, I got to do some of the beta, you know, streaming Hulu. I got to wow. launch that the company I was with and I had some really, really cool opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's a big jump to go from like journalism to communications I definitely like see the similarities so yes it's in the wheelhouse and you know I think that I'm a marketer now Mm -hmm. um still to me storytelling and it's you know it's trying to take something a product um and and tell its story and find Mm -hmm. its value and find the connection with people you Mm -hmm. know it's um and that's the aspect I do love about my job yeah. So, yeah. Um, what have been some of the benefits of being a woman of color on your path to where you are today? And what have been maybe some of the challenges? Um, on the path, I don't think I've had 
the challenges are always opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that it, it necessarily has, in my case, had to do with color. But I think that unfortunately in our country, you know, race is tied to education and education mm -hmm. is tied to opportunity, right? And Agreed. I think that Sacred Heart gave me a leg up. You know, being a Latina, I mean, you know, I won't mention the company I was working for at the time, but I remember asked, someone asking me, wait, you speak Spanish? And, and the answer is yes. And you went to college mm -hmm. and it's like, yes, I have a degree. <laughs> and it was a surprise moment on mm -hmm. their face of what, you know, like stereotypes are true, but mm -hmm. you, we're, we're also true. Right. Meaning that sure. there are educated women yes. that are Latina and mm -hmm. speak both languages and don't have accents. And, and I think that that was more of an educational moment for mm -hmm. them than me. And having a really non-reactive and rather help them educate and say, this is a different version of us because mm -hmm. there are different versions of us, um, created a new path and a new opportunity for me. You know, it was instead of meeting it with like disgust and, oh my God, how do you not know mm -hmm. that Latino be educated and go to prep schools and do this, <laughs> um, it was met with, well, let me, let me actually tell you a little bit about me. And yeah. there's a lot of us, mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't all like chili peppers on everything. <laughs> and so, um, I think that was an aha moment for everyone, you know, and help the company I was work for diversify and learn how to speak mm -hmm. to us. And that has evolved very much, um, since I started school and that was like in college. So, um, so yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing to be that, but also um, be able to articulate what that is. Mm -hmm. Because my, my truth isn't everyone's truth. My, you know, experience or path isn't everyone's, but there's some similarities. We're all, there's a Latina group. Yep. And, you know, I have friends who are Latinas doctors and, you know, engineers and, you know, so yeah. breaking stereotype that yeah we're not all in kitchens and mm -hmm. we're not all you know in uh and and even those that are in immense strength we know that right mm -hmm. yep so um what advice would you give to young women of color of at shc today i think that you know forge forward um mm -hmm. know your strength and your power right mm -hmm. and um again, seek those opportunities because, you know, this waiting for permission, asking for a seat at the table, you know, I'm really stuck in meme land right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> who isn't? Of course. Yeah. Um, TikTok and Instagram. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I saw, I saw something that I reposted and it was just like, you know, don't wait for a seat at, at the table, build your own. Mm -hmm. And that resonated so much with me because and it's not about knocking down whatever institution that currently exists, right? But it is about ensuring that representation is there. It's about ensuring that you're seen in those places. I mean, you know, I didn't see any Latina professors at Sacred Heart, mm -hmm. but I certainly saw women, minority women, mm -hmm. that were running things. And to this day, they are, you yeah. know. Miss Mamona, who I think just retired, yeah. she was an Asian woman running sports. Mm -hmm. 
So that's pretty impressive. We yeah. don't see a lot of women in sports. You know, Janet Shapiro helped us for years keep the cheerleading team afloat. Um, I don't see cheer as a fluffy thing. I was a gymnast. I liked cheering because it was a sport to yeah. me. Um, you know, and there were so many of those today still, you know, and Miss Lansing, I think she was, a, you know, teaching biology. STEM is super important. Women mm -hmm. in STEM is super important. Mm -hmm. Science and math, you know, again, um, we need more representation there. And yeah. I think that while I didn't see a Latina, which I still want to see more, which mm -hmm. is, I think, gave me the path to say, okay, go in and, and if you don't see one, be one, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I certainly had a lot of... Um, leadership and examples at Sacred Heart of, okay, well, if Miss Lansing can do it and Miss Simona can do it, mm -hmm. I can do it. Yeah, so. I, I really like that. Um, knowing what you know now, what do you think SHC can do to affirm and support young women of color? I mean, aside from what I think they're already doing great now, I think that they can continue to just create opportunity, right? Yeah. Look constant, look under the hood constantly survey and evaluation because things move quick and you know mm -hmm. evaluation never ends right if you're evaluating right. and reforming you're creating the right environment for the current current group mm -hmm. and i think that that's a very like typical marketing um tactic i use because the campaign you build when you start isn't the campaign you're actually launching with mm -hmm. and i think that's just very true of 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 development, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, when I started Sacred Heart, there wasn't a trip to Spain, you mm -hmm. know, but that opportunity came about and I took advantage of it. So my yeah. advice is look at your opportunities. And even if you're a little afraid and you're not quite sure if it's something that you think you can be passionate about, do it because mm -hmm. at least you know it's yes or I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think that don't be afraid of opportunity and and go for it, I think, is the best thing that mm -hmm. you can do. Yeah. Regardless of race or gender, mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to share with you this quote that I found a couple of years ago, and I've kind of just kind of like turned to it whenever I'm feeling particularly at like at a roadblock, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's by Sonia Sotomayor. And she mm -hmm. said, um, I think it's important to move people beyond just dreaming into doing. They have to be able to see that you are just like them and you made it. Um, and so kind of in following with this quote, were there any teachers of color during your time at SHC, which I know you did kind of touch on, um, but yeah. were they also adults that you looked up to? Yeah, I think, like I said, there were people that I looked up to, but there are also people I wanted to emulate and there, there still are today. Right. Mm -hmm. I think there's some of my classmates that actually teach there now. And, you know, it was only about um, the teachers. It was about the students too. There were people mm -hmm. in my class that I wanted to be like, you know, that were smart and fun. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I laughed because I mean, I probably shouldn't be putting this on a podcast, but my <laughs> grades were awesome. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't graduate with honors. I graduated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, college was so different because I did graduate with honors in college because I got to craft 
the type of learning right. I want. Yeah. And that's the great advantage of going to college is that you really get to dictate where your time is spent. And that's because you've done the work in high school, you've created a foundation, and now yeah. you can go ahead and do that. And that's where really where I blossomed. But absolutely, I don't think there was a moment at Sacred Heart where I felt discouraged or disheartened. Um, I think anywhere I looked around, there was inspiration. Judy Scudder, who was our librarian. I mean, it's really hard to be a librarian. I did yeah. <laughs> And, you know, back when we didn't have Google, yep. <laughs> she was one of the people that spent hours with you to make sure you got the right information. And mm-hmm. you know, that's very powerful. So I didn't know it then, but I know it now that I can yeah. look back. Mm-hmm. And um, you will too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then reflecting on this quote even a bit further, um, yeah. it's kind of like my big question. Um, I have a feeling I know your answer, but um, do you uh, think representation matters? It does. You know, I think that for a long time, particularly in media, you mm-hmm. know, it was something Absolutely. that was, you know, under the rug, you know, even then, even today we struggle with it, mm-hmm. you know, what does it look like? And um what does it matter? And, you know, are we telling diverse stories? So one thing I will say to you that yes, COVID has sucked, particularly for for the youth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do look and I'm like, Oh, man, did you even have a prom? Like, what what does that look like? Hopefully, Um, we'll get one later on. (laughs) I hope so. Um, But you know, it's taught us to to be different, right? Mm-hmm. And demand more of content that we're seeing and see yeah. more of us, you know, mm-hmm. and I think these non-traditional platforms that streaming has opened are creating that, but we have to be responsible about it. We have to make sure that we use our buying power. We use what we watch to be indicative of where we want to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So if there's something I don't really like love, you know, trash TV or whatever, I just don't watch it. Cause yeah. that's where the power actually lies. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I mean, I live in a very day to day of making sure there's representation. Now I work for an all Latin media company, mm-hmm. but how do we even represent ourselves in that? Right. Yeah. Because we have a big responsibility to, I tell, tell us markets and in Latin markets, this is what we look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have to make sure that even within Latinos, we're diverse, right? Exactly. That yeah. The seat at the table and that mm-hmm. we all are creating the right table. So it does matter. It matters yeah. in every facet, whether it's at school or in politics mm-hmm. it matters. It matters to see yourself there and being able to identify and say, maybe it's not what I want to do, but Sotomayor is a great example, Yep. you know? Uh, so many things, Ginsburg, all of it, Mm -hmm. it matters. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah. Before we end, um, I just kind of want to ask you a couple speed round questions. They're a bit more on the lighthearted side. Um, So who was your favorite teacher at SHC? Oh man, there's so many. Um, (laughs) It was Mr. Sanchez, just a sweet guy. Yeah. Is, uh, maybe Mr. Samson. He was just really fun. I don't know. There's a lot. There's Mr. Connolly. There's Mr. Hogarty. I mean, again, to, I don't have. A, I didn't have a favorite. Just like you <laughs> say to your kids, none of them are your favorite. But I don't know. He's the one that you know. I traveled with them, and mm-hmm. he really, you know, he cared for all of us mm-hmm. in and out of school. So, Did yeah. you have a favorite class? 
my favorite class was AP history. What is your favorite memory from SHC? You know what? It was the unstructured ones. It was after games when we mm -hmm. sat around. It was, you know, in the plaza where we'd hung, hang out. Mm -hmm. those, are, those are the memories. I mean, again, COVID has had you home for a lot. So yeah. I'm, I'm finding things that I haven't looked at in a long time and memories I didn't even remember having. And so, you know, when I see that, the biggest smiles are from us just having that time to not be in yeah. class and just be together. So, you know, those are the ones that resonate probably soccer and cheer, you know, the extracurricular. Yeah, moments. for sure. Um, do you have a favorite SHC tradition? Um, I don't know if you guys still do it, but we didn't step on the shamrock when you entered the school. Oh, no, we don't do that. That yeah, we fun. didn't do that. Yeah, and we, you know, the fight songs were, I mean, it was an ex-cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, what book do you recommend all SHC students read? Oh, my gosh. I'm... <laughs> well, since we're on the topic of feminism, I'm actually Her Body by, I know, it's, it's, it's Rada. Um, <laughs> Emily Radakowski, who is a model, uh -huh. um, but... I think that that has been very powerful, especially for seniors that are going off to college. Mm -hmm. That is a different perspective on, um, you know, feminism and women's, you know, kind of our perspective on our, our ownership of our bodies and our minds and our health. It's actually been, been really good. I mean, um, mm -hmm. it's been a lot of books, so. Yeah. Picking a favorite is hard. I'll definitely have to add that <laughs> I'm to the list. reading like the Southern Vampire Something Club. <laughs> wide range. <laughs> yeah, wide range. But that one I think is a good recommendation for someone who is, you know, heading off to college mm -hmm. and really going to be, you know, in that realm of ownership, mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit, all of it. Thanks again to Gina for joining me today, and thank you to the listeners for checking out my podcast. I will see you in the next one.